0: Welcome back to another episode of Excuse My Grandma. It's Kim and my co-host, Grandma Gail. Grandma, what is new in your life? I feel like we've both been very busy.
1: What's new in my life is that I've been recognized in the supermarket, and I have to put makeup on at seven thirty in the morning because of the are Excuse My Grandma and the TikToks. That's
0: why I get nervous now too. Like I love when, like I went out in the Hamptons last weekend, and so many people at the bars were like. <laughs> Talk, which I love like I love when people go up to me and I, I actually forgot to tell you people were like tell grandma gail we love her like it was so cute well it's
1: fine if you're dressed up well, and look exactly. nice so
0: love it at the bar but then like <laughs> but not in the supermarket at 7 30 yeah now I get anxiety not that I we don't get recognized that often but like I'm like what if I just and like usually I roll out of the house in actual like clothes from fourth grade like what if someone sees me <laughs> it's, you better
1: not because you've got an image to uphold now sweetheart
0: I know um so also when I was out the other day t- someone told me about this um app called Strava um where it's like you go on a run and you can like um tell people about like you post how long it was and a picture of your run or whatever I- so but it was funny because like my friend is on it and she was like it's basically like a dating app because you could be like I went on a five mile run and then guys will like talk to you on there <laughs> well if it's
1: another way of meeting someone Kimmy it's fine I mean yeah, I don't know if you can go on a five mile run uh, but you probably could
0: yeah you walk
1: a million miles no it would
0: be embarrassing mine I feel like I would be like I took a two mile walk and people feel like okay well, cool you, nothing
1: You're- there's nothing wrong with a two mile walk it's, ba- it's it's just perfectly all right
0: true Okay, then another thing I heard about, there's a Facebook group called Are We Dating the Same Guy in New York? Oh, no. And Yeah, and everyone posts on it, like, don't go out with this guy. Like, I just went on a date with him and XYZ happened. And like, everyone's like, it's like this exclusive Facebook group and everyone's talking about
1: See, this is what I don't like about all this online stuff. Because you know what, the guy probably is perfectly nice, and now you're going to eliminate him because some other girl probably didn't have a good time with him and put a bad thing on Facebook. I, I don't, I, I don't like all this. It, it's very yeah, upsetting. But
0: like I agree, I totally agree that, like, I think that group sounds a little uncalled for because just because you didn't like someone doesn't mean right. someone else would. It's like Mean Girls. Yeah, like the Burn Book. Right. But then sometimes. I'm like well if they did something actually to put someone's like at risk oh well that's different like then they should
1: other well then they should be, should be aware shame of that. no then they should be and I think
0: that's kind of mostly what it is like things that are just not okay or well like if this it's guy not cheated, okay then what,
1: remember then not don't go
0: yeah so I don't know it's I'm not in it I'm, I'd be interested to like see what people actually write but my friend was showing me okay um, and then have you heard of this app be real no it, I have never heard of any apps. Oh, okay. <laughs> lucky i'm on my own app it's basically like the new instagram snapchat like for like i i don't know i feel like a lot of younger people are using it but you do what you take so you get a notification on your phone once a day it's and you have like a one minute window to take a selfie Oh and then selfies i know and then the rest of the um and then all your friends can see it. But I guess it's like more it's in real time.
1: I think that's really for for high school and, and college. I, I really think by the time you've graduated college, you don't have to be doing selfies all day long. You should be working. It's once a day. Uh, and No, it's the once too much. Yeah.
0: Well, so I was on a date like a week or two ago or whatever. And... It came up on the guy's phone. He's like, I got to take a B-reel. You want-? And then he was like, look, come be in my selfie. I would have
1: to. I would have to eliminate him. <laughs> he would be off my list right like, away. I like, you want me in
0: the video none <laughs> of your friends? This is our first date. I think that's a little bit strange. I know. Okay. Speaking of dating, um, our guest this week is a dating coach. His name's Kevin Nahai. He has a big Instagram following, and um, he has some very interesting rules about dating and um, personal opinions, some of which you, well, I never really agree disagree with my guests, and you can listen in here at, at one point. I was definitely disagreeing with him about a few things. Yeah, so it was an interesting conversation if you want to hear some like back and forth. We hope you enjoy. Okay, guys, we are joined by Kevin Nahai. He is a dating coach. Kevin, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's really nice to meet you both.
0: You as well. So let's start with your age, relationship status, and where you live.
2: Okay, so age 30, I just turned 30, relationship status, single, Uh, I'm dating around, uh, you know, looking for the real deal. And I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and I live here today.
0: I was doing some background research. You have like a rule, right? That you say to only date one person at a time, but that is so you basically think to be exclusive with just anybody, right? Or can you explain like your rule to us?
2: Yes. So no, my rule is not to be exclusive with just anybody. Um, I have what I call a three date rule. The three date rule is that you can date Let's say you're interested in two or three different people. You can date those two or three different people for up to three dates each. But after the third date, you should choose which person you want to focus on. If after the third date with, you know, Sam, John and Eric, you can't decide which person, you know, catches your fancy, then either you're not into any of them or they're not the right people for you or you are indecisive. You know, and perhaps you're, you're being too picky or perhaps you're comparing them to each other. So, af- you know, I, I sort of created the three-date rule to allow for the fact that, yes, there's no reason you should be exclusively dating some, you know, a person starting from the first date. Having said that, um, you know, my philosophy is that if you are dating seriously with a serious intention, you know, marriage, kids, long-term relationship then you should focus your effort and your energy on one person at a time. That is what I have seen work over and over again. Um, And you don't necessarily have to tell the other person, hey, by the way, I'm only dating you, right? It's just a personal approach that you take uh, as a matter of respect to yourself.
0: What do you think of that? Actually, I think it's
1: a pretty good idea. I mean, uh, I, I think after three dates... Like Kevin says, you, you pretty much know if this guy has got anything that, that appeals to you. If it doesn't, you may as well just say, you know, it's been nice and go on to the next one.
2: Whenever I present this idea, like on, on another podcast that I was on, I got raked over the coals by 50% of the audience, you know, be, because they couldn't stomach the idea that they would self-limit their options. But then the other 50% of people who I talk to say to me, thank God there's somebody who's still advocating this. It is so useful. Once I started self-limiting my options, it, you know, and so the irony of this thing is that it's actually fiercely liberating. It is not constraining. And when people hear date one person at a time, they get scared because they think they're going to be constrained. They think they're putting all of their eggs in one basket, but it's quite the opposite. It's actually giving you the biggest chance at success.
0: So I see your point. I think my thing is more. Let's say you're giving three guys the three dates. You're on like date two with one, date one with whatever, and then I go out to a bar and I meet someone that I hit it off with, and he's like, "Do you want to go out to this week?" Mm-hmm. Then do I have to say no because I'm giving the other ones a chance still? No, no he's not saying that. To you as long as, as
1: as long as it's not past the three dates, right, Kevin? If it's up to the three dates, if you
0: if you're only yeah, but if, what if I'm on date one with the other guys and I'm like I don't. It, I don't met this guy yet. He could be good. I don't know.
2: Look, here's the thing. It, it's not a hard and fast rule where you say, do I have to say no? You know, nobody's going to get you in trouble, Kim. You know, Well, maybe Gail will, not but jake. I certainly won't. Okay. <laughs> but look, here's the thing. Let's say you're on date one or two with somebody else. You totally hit it off with them. They're a great prospect. They seem great on paper. You've been having phone calls and texting and FaceTime. Just because you meet a cool guy in a bar, do you really need to add him into the mix? Do you want to be juggling four different guys? If on the other hand, you went on one date with a guy and you know it wasn't particularly interesting. And yeah, within the next couple of weeks, you have a couple dates lined up and you're cool about them, but they don't seem that great. And then you spend two hours at a bar talking with a guy and having a great conversation. Of course, in that case, you should give him your number because he's the person who you seem to have the most in common with and you have a good connection with him right mm-hmm. so it's more a concept than it is a hard and fast rule right
1: do you think men think about it the same way kevin i mean girls or women are a very precise in what they want. I wonder if a guy who's 30 years old or 29 years old or 35 really is thinking more than "Mm, maybe I'd like to go to bed with her. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure the, the, the constraints are the same on the male, male side. They're going to give her three times. And if she doesn't go to bed with me, uh, goodbye. I
2: I, I wonder. um, Well, well, hold on. This is totally different from the going to bed with somebody thing. I'm not saying that. I would never, ever say that after three dates, you should go to bed with somebody, whether you're a guy or a girl, I would actually say quite the opposite.
1: Yeah, but Um, I'm not sure the guys are going to hang around and which is fine. But a lot of men want to have whatever they want. They want sex. They want and they want a, a one night stand. And then you'll know if this guy is really not for you, then you can say goodbye. It's not for me. But I wonder if the psyche for the guy is the same are they sitting around the
2: the psyche for guys and girls and their approach in dating and their precision in dating and how conscientious they are about what they want. Those things for men and women are very different. Um, however, (laughs) right. So you're right that, that they're different. However, if a guy, um, you know, there, there's two sort of schools of thought here. One of them I think is correct. And the other, I think could not be more flawed. The one that I think is not be more flawed is the school of thought says sleep with the guy on a second or third date to weed him out. If he sticks around, you know he wants you. If he doesn't, you know he's gone. I don't know that if that's that one. <laughs> oh, I mean, I have clients and friends who who, you know, it, it makes sense, right? Because it's what Gail was just saying, like, you know, this way you're going to find out if he's really uh, if he wants to stick around or not. But but my school of thought is withhold any kind of intimate sexual experience until there is a commitment, until you know each other spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, until you are certain that this is somebody you at least want to continue dating. Because if a guy doesn't make it to that point where the commitment has been established or where the emotional connection hasn't been established, that's how you know that he wants to stick around, right? And you didn't have to give of yourself, uh, in the most intense and intimate way possible to find that out. Mm -hmm.
0: I do think sometimes like it's confusing whether you're compatible because maybe you have to first see if there's some sort of like sexual chemistry, but maybe do you think that's something you could find out before actually like doing anything just by like the vibe or, cause I feel like if you're going to say, Oh, I'm going to be exclusive with this person. Like you kind of do have to know that at some level.
2: Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, look, I've never had a situation where I've had an extremely strong emotional connection with somebody and the physical connection was terrible. Right. That has never happened to me. Usually you can feel tension building. You can you know, feel that you want, you're you're building closer and closer to that point, you can feel spiritually and emotionally connected to somebody. And when you you do, you may not be having sex like something out of a porn scene, right? But you're going to have a strong physical connection. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, I mean, I guess going back a little bit, because you were talking about difference between advice for men and advice for women as a dating coach, are most of your clients women or how did you kind of decide who to take
2: on? So it is usually 70% women, 30% men, sometimes 60, 40. Mm -hmm. Um, That is usually because women are just more prone to working on themselves, unfortunately, (sighs) than men are. Um, But it's definitely a mix. I don't only do dating coaching. I, you know, I work on a lot of different areas as well. So How I have some you women started role. on
1: the dating uh, uh, business. On I mean, the what would you call it? The matchmaking business of love. The business of love. I mean, did that? Were you? Did you study it in college? Were you a psych major? Were you? I mean, what what qualifies you to do this?
2: Sure. So um, I don't do any matchmaking, by the way. I've I've never I've never actually made a match. I've made 91 successful marriages, engagements or relationships in the last three years.
1: Very good. Um,
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's getting to 100. But not not one of them have I ever set two people up, which is interesting. Um, But yeah, so in college, I studied communication and psychology. I, I went to graduate school, I did an MSW social work. I got nine different coaching certifications, but, you know, basically the way that I got into this was that I, uh, had a really dysfunctional, painful, toxic relationship after which I realized that as much as the girl that I dated had all sorts of problems, I chose that. And when I realized that I chose that, I started pulling back the curtain this was several years ago, around 24, 25. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had all sorts of abandonment issues and trauma and codependency and you know, unbridled anxious attachment and all sorts of things from my childhood, from my relationship with my parents, you know, from various issues that I had been through that were now rearing their ugly head in the context of my romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And it was so painful and it was so such an eye-opening experience.
0: How did you then do the work on yourself? He had to really sit down and think about what the issues
1: were. That's the first thing. Why, you know, why would he be attracted to somebody like his ex-girlfriend or whatever she was? And he had to work backwards. He had to see why was he attracted to that? And as Kevin was saying, there were issues in his background
0: that was causing that. And so, so much can of- you do that work though by yourself or like you need to be in therapy? Like what would you say to people?
2: You know, I think that you can gain a lot of self-awareness by yourself. If you're willing to look in the mirror, you can read a lot of books. You can, you know, listen to podcasts and, you know, there's, there's a ton of free information out there that if you're really willing to hold up the mirror, mm-hmm. you will learn a lot about yourself. I think that the, the challenge where, where it where you really need somebody in your corner um, is when it comes to how do I turn this around? And that's really where you need to have an objective set of eyes. So whether that is a mentor or a therapist or a coach um, or a counselor, you know anybody who can kind of say, "Look, I've walked the road, I've been there, That's where it's incredibly helpful. And you know, I would say that it's it's incredibly helpful even if you're not at the stage where you're wondering, what do I do about this? But even if you're wondering, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like you can technically learn a lot about yourself on your own, but for some people, if they have their blinders up or if they lack humility, they really need to be in therapy or coaching in order to have those things brought to their attention.
0: I feel like we talk about it a lot that like, it seems that me and my peers or whatever are seeking out advice a lot, whether it's from therapy or podcasts or whatever it is. And my grandma always says like, no one really kind of talked about it as much when she was younger. Um, From your standpoint, like, how do you think dating and and relationships have changed from generation to generation? Well, drastically.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think they've changed drastically. I mean, that's a, a great question for your grandma because she's, been there to see the change, Uh, you know, um, I can only make an inference from talking to the older generation as opposed to seeing it for myself. But here's what I think, I think it's changed drastically in a hundred ways, but here's what I think is the essential difference. Um, What it really all boils down to. In our parents' and grandparents' generation, the messaging was essentially find a good partner and figure out your lives together. The message to our generation, which I think has royally screwed us up is, there's also an upside, but I think for the most part it's royally screwed us up, is figure out your life, figure out your career, then go find a partner. Now that's royally screwed us up. I mean, it's obvious, just look around. We've got a lot to sort out in in our romantic relationships. The upside of it, of course, is that if the timing is right, and if we have, de- it, basically, if we strike gold, mm-hmm. then the upside is that we know more about ourselves when we choose a partner, and presumably we have a lower chance of staying in an uh, in an unhappy marriage for sixty years. Mm-hmm. So, like, my grandparents were married for sixty three years. My late grandfather passed a year ago. I don't think that the majority of that 63 years, they had a good or happy marriage, right? right. Because they got married when they were like 16 and 20, okay, which is, which is way too young. Mm-hmm. So in our generation, Kim, I'm 30, you're 26, we know a lot more about ourselves, right? So if we can find the right person, and if the timing and the stars align, and if we make good decisions, then we can choose a better partner. And that was something that perhaps our grandparents' generation didn't have the luxury of. Mm -hmm. But there's also a huge downside to it, which is that the value of finding a long-term partner at a young age and building a life with them has not been instilled in us, which means that we don't start looking until we're 30. And that brings a whole host of issues that every year after 30 becomes harder and harder to combat Mm -hmm.
0: so when you say we haven't started looking like what makes you an active like looker versus just somebody who's dating like what is the difference because technically you're like dating or hooking up or whatever it is probably from like 18 or younger on so then you mean just having the mindset of like, okay, I'm only going to date if I can see myself marrying them or. Yeah. That's what it really yeah, is
2: should... it's being marriage minded. Yeah. I agree with and that. If you, and if you well, don't want you a legal,
1: you have to think of that, but certainly by the time you're 25, you're not supposed to be just dating anybody. If you're not, if it, if it's not going to be a long-term relationship and
0: end up with marriage, but then how do you judge somebody before you've even gone out with them of whether they're marriage material? I feel like that's, no, you slippery. can tell,
2: Who can tell. Well, no, So first of all, I'm not saying that you should constantly be sussing out if someone else is marriage material. I'm saying that you should make yourself marriage material, Mm. right? So when you say what determines whether or not somebody is quote unquote looking or if they're looking appropriately, it's not an external search, Kim. It's an internal evolution. So being marriage minded does not mean that every person you go out with, you're saying, Is this marriage material? Well, I couldn't decide that in the first date, so bye, Felicia, right? It means that you are living in accordance with your values. It means that you're developing your principles. It means that you're not hooking up with people randomly. It means that you're not getting drunk. It means that you're not prioritizing your career over everything, but you're making room for dating in your life. So when you say like, yeah, from 18 or 20, you could be hooking up and dating people, right? that doesn't make you married minded that that's like when you're young and you're having your fun and stuff, by the way, a lot of that fun is what contributes to having a difficult dating life in your later twenties. So, not? well, because the more quote unquote fun we have in our early twenties, the greater the potential there is for emotional damage to accrue. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah,
1: okay, well, let's say you had great sex. I understand exactly what Kevin's saying. Let's say you had great sex when you were 20. You had the best time you ever had, and he was terrific, or she was terrific. Then, but that was never going anywhere. It was finished, it was over. Now you're 26, 27, 28, 29, and you're going out with a guy and you eventually like him, but now you have an intimate relationship and it wasn't as good as you remember when you were 20. Now, now what do you do? Now you, you're up the river because Why? you're never going to have that's that. That's
0: not a thing that when you're older,
1: you're worse at No, sex. not worse. I'm saying, but the, you're comparing. I think what Kevin is saying is.
2: Well, the, that's, a, compare. that's one possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The comparison is one thing that can set you back, but that's not really the crux of the issue. The crux of the issue is that especially for women. The higher your quote-unquote body count, right, the, 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 more, the, the higher the number of people that you have slept with, the harder it is to establish a long-term pair bond
0: no with way. a
2: male partner.
0: No <laughs> way.
2: Yes, How you can look that, this up.
0: Because, but then you're never going to tell, like, you don't have to tell people you're dating your body count.
2: Wait, wait, wait. I'm not saying because the guy will get mad at you or say, I can't date you. I'm saying that, that the effect of a lot of random sex for women is that emotionally it lowers their ability to pair bond for the future, Mm -hmm. because every time you have sex with somebody, especially this, this occurs for men as well, but every time, especially for women that you have sex with somebody, your body emits, your brain emits tons and tons, 10 times the normal amount of oxytocin, which is the bonding chemical, Mm -hmm. then you walk away or he walks away. It, it goes away. You be, you, the relationship fizzles. You become emotionally hurt. You become on a small level traumatized from the loss. And then it makes it very difficult to trust and bond with somebody else. Now, every once in a while, you get a girl who has slept with 40 guys oh, and she, <laughs> she, she meets her husband and they ride off into the sunset and she's perfectly fine but that's a girl who has done the work on herself to realize that when she was doing that, she was young and she was stupid and she was insecure and she was using men to validate her and things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I this really does
0: perpetrate the narrative that like sleeping with a bunch of people means that you're not going to have, a- I see, I see where you're saying like, it's a science thing, like, or like whatever these studies are, but I don't think it's like a good narrative to promote or tell people. And I like it if you're like, okay, but then if you do the work, but I don't think the work is like, I was dumb and stupid. I think it was like, that was a stage of my life. And now I'm entering a new stage where I'm looking for something different, but I don't think like looking back and be like, that's a mistake. I shouldn't have slept with this many people. Like, I think that's going to hurt yourself more than anything. else. So,
2: okay. So here's the thing. What we're talking about here is a prevention mechanism. I am not, so I, I'm sharing this information for prevention because there's a lot of people who are in well into their 30s mm-hmm. who are still sleeping around, right? And so, and, and by the way, the same goes for guys. I don't recommend that guys sleep around. There was a phase in my life when I was sleeping around and it was, I was young and I was stupid and it didn't help me. And I don't mind admitting that, right? Because I've I've reconciled that part of my past the purpose of this is not to look back and say, you did something wrong. What's the matter with you? You should, you should shame or blame yourself. The purpose of this is, first of all, if we can prevent that and get more serious about our relationships starting from this day, then A, that's my mission. Mm-hmm. But B, when you say, I don't like to perpetuate that narrative, unfortunately, it's not a narrative. It's just a fact. The more you sleep around, the harder it is in your late 20s and 30s to find a stable partner. It just makes things more difficult emotionally. So the purpose is not you should, you know, say, "Oh, I'm such a bad person because I did that." Of course not. Every person is capable of growth and every person is is, you know, should forgive themselves for whatever their mistakes are. But we do have to understand that from the perspective of being marriage minded it's not a good idea to have a lot of casual sex and i, I don't think that that's really something we can argue with
1: right i agree
0: with. That. yeah i'm just like i understand it but then i'm just trying to think of real life situations and i'm like if my friend like went home with a random guy to bar i don't really think it's like changing whether she's going to like fall, like fall in love with someone tomorrow that she meets. No, yeah,
1: like, but it's a little successful... bit of her immaturity at, at some point to be no, t- taking someone It also
2: to... depends how, it also depends the frequency.
0: Right. right. So yeah. if yeah. she did sure. that
2: two or three times throughout her twenties, like whatever, who hasn't done that? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I'm more talking about the extreme examples. Like if you had a friend, Kim, who was going home with a different guy from the bar every weekend. Like don't that. tell me that you wouldn't think she's got some insecurity or validation issues going on.
0: Definitely. Would, there would be something happening internally, but I, I don't know if it would then necessarily mean like that. That's, I think it's almost, okay. So what I think it is, is like whatever that thing that she's battling, whether it's insecurity or whatever it is, like, that's what's keeping her from finding a future partner. It's not the fact that, oh, she's sleeping around in like oxytocin is everywhere and then now she can't
1: well but it's the same thing you're basically
2: no it's 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 both it is both it is both the physical act and the physical act of allowing somebody into your body and building that intimacy with them even if you want to compartmentalize you can't it is the physical act and then it is also the emotional turmoil that is underlying the act right So here's another example. If I'm a drug addict and I spend 10 years of my life injecting heroin into myself, can I still have a very successful and stable future as a lawyer or a doctor? Absolutely. But if I spent 10 years injecting heroin, I'm going to have health issues later on in life. That's a science. That's a fact. I'm going to need to get over the emotional issues that caused me to take the heroin in the first place. Now, I am not equating casual sex with heroin, right? But I'm giving the example that if you spend a lot of years having casual sex because it's coming from a place of lack or worth or or lack of self-worth, you know, A, that can have an effect, and B, you have to ask yourself, you know, what was going on with me emotionally that I felt the need to do that? It doesn't make you a bad person.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah totally understand that as well but again and then we, we can go to the next topic but heroin is like a drug that can kill you like sex is well sex not is a drug too Se- yeah sex
2: is a drug it's a crutch it's
0: definitely a drug and, and, and if, it's
1: impor- yeah. if it's used improperly, it's destructive. Uh, and it not not every relationship has to be always about all about sex, which is what a rela- good relationship has many, many different mm-hmm. facets.
0: Yeah. And you have
1: to put it, I, one probably needs to be in the relationship mm-hmm. as well as being able to talk to somebody, being able to have uh commonality of interest. But it's one part of a puzzle. I don't think it's the only thing. If you only have sex... And you're going to have nothing else. You're going to end up
2: getting divorced. Right. And look like your grandma is right. Like there are situations where you have a great sex life with somebody, you know, you're not sleeping around, maybe you only sleep with one partner, but you're terrible at communication. You know, then the sex thing is perfectly fine. And you've got a healthy sex life there, but you don't know how to communicate. So that could be the issue, right? So I'm by no means saying that, how you treat sex is going to determine is going to be the single determining factor beyond whether or not that determines whether or not you have a successful relationship. It's just one of the things that we treat way too lightly and way too casually. And we don't understand that there are potential consequences. Yeah. And I also just want to be sensitive to say one thing, which is I am not a proponent of girls can't sleep around, but guys can. Yeah, I think stupid. that that's BS. Right. Yeah. Okay. That. But
1: that's, that's, that sounds right, Kevin. It, it, yeah. It's good for the goose. is good for the gander. Neither one. Do you want to have a guy who's sleeping around 24 seven and you don't want a woman who's sleeping around 24 seven.
2: Exactly. And essentially the, the mistake that happened in our society was we said, okay, yeah. well, sure. guys are doing it. So girls should too. Mm-hmm. And that's wrong you Neither don't, should be doing you that. don't answer bad behavior with bad behavior, right? It's bad behavior when guys are sleeping around all the time. So it's not that women should start doing it too. It's that men should be gentlemen right. and they should be smarter. And, you know, so we actually should have taken a page out of the women's book in this case.
0: Well, I think it's only bad behavior. If you're saying that the goal is to have like a successful like relationship or whatever like if your goal is just to like do you and you don't really want to be like a monogamous person then it's not really bad behavior
2: yeah everything i'm talking about that's a good clarification everything i'm talking about here is in the context of you know having a a long-term relationship because i would never say that you know a a polyamorous relationship is bad or if you want to just have sex just for fun it's bad like it's not for me to say yeah. what anybody should or shouldn't do.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's an important distinction. Um, what are some things that you think are maybe like dating myths from previous generations? Like anything that you hear my grandma's generation or our parents' generation saying where you're like, that's just not relevant anymore.
2: Um, I think one of them that I, you know, I haven't made my mind up about this, but maybe it's an interesting discussion. Um, The idea that you should keep the marriage together at all costs. I don't know how I feel about this one, because that's a very prevalent message that my grandparents and my parents got. Both of them are immigrants Mm -hmm. and we're Jewish. So we're very family oriented. Um, I think on the one hand, we have a 60% divorce rate in this country. That means that if you lined up six, 10 people in a room, six of them will be divorced. That is frightening, right? One thing that I take from the older generation that I think uh, really should be more relevant to our generation. I don't think we fully understood this concept, which um, it's the concept that the only things you're going to find in another person uh, are trust, respect, honesty. They have a good life. Everything else has to be created. So when we, when people in our generation, Kim are looking for relationships, we are looking for someone who um, is a good communicator, is funny, is affectionate, is warm, meets all of our love languages. You know, we are looking for somebody who comes ready made to, to meet our physical, intellectual and emotional needs. And I am guilty of this as well. Right? I I had it kind of dawned on me a, about a year ago that one of the reasons I wasn't meeting my partner, you know, wh- whoever my soulmate is, was that everything that I was looking for something that is so specific And I'm trying to create this mythical unicorn that was ready-made for Kevin. Like she was made in a factory and has everything that I want right off the bat. And now what I understand is that the things I'm going to find in her are someone who is trustworthy, kind, honest, perhaps comes from a good family, perhaps has good values. But everything else that I'm going to have with her are things that I have to teach her and she has to teach me and we have to compromise on and we have to co-create.
1: Right. But I think, Kevin, that you only learn as you get older. I don't mm. think you can almost translate that, kind of, what you just said to a twenty-five-year-old or twenty-six-year-old. Um, well,
2: Kim's twenty-six. You know, what do you yeah. think, Kevin? Well, Kimmy I mean,
1: listens to this all the time, so she. Can, but most, no, but people. I, I would give more there, credit
0: to people and their no, twenties. I I, you think so? I, I don't think they're willing to 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 handle. I think whole, maybe what the difference is is instead of being like these are my three to four points that are kind of like non-negotiables um I think a lot of us put like a lot of weight on well I have this connection with somebody so I'm going to either throw those three things out the window or
1: are force those th- th- th-
0: three things that important no but you need to have at least three things because then otherwise anyone's fair game like then then that's saying okay anyone that you go out with you can turn like like yeah no probably. because you no because you have to have that settling. Like you have to have some level of like what, you know, you need.
1: Well, but somebody for your needs, it's supposed to be a combination together that you make a good combination. I think if you're looking for someone to fulfill your inadequacies, you're never going to. No, it's
0: not fulfilling your inadequacies. It's like some, like, as you were saying, like someone, you know, you want someone family oriented. That's so important to you, whatever, you know, you want somebody who um likes to play golf <laughs> no well i think that that's okay, something so, that you can change i think or like right. that you can yeah not a,
2: yeah not so have. that that's actually a perfect example right yeah. so if you want someone who's family oriented it, it, they have to come ready made exactly because that's not something you can teach them that's a value that they grew up with
0: right right
2: or if they didn't grow up with a value with that it's a value they cultivated right. on their own But if you want someone who can hang out with you on the golf course, (laughs) that may be something you have to teach them and guide them and see if they take an interest in my, right. My brother-in-law is a huge sports nut. He knows everything about every Dodgers player since, you know, the history of the team. My sister has never watched a a Dodgers game in her life, but you know what? Now she knows the players. They go to Dodgers games you know, and this that's was a point, a point of
1: relationship good. So she's willing to, to do that for him. And he'll do something in return that she likes to do. That's the give and take of a relationship.
2: That's exactly. So, so this is one point from the older generation that I think they, they were more into creating the relationship, whereas our generation is more into finding, mm-hmm. but that's slightly different from the point that you brought up, Kim, which is like having certain must haves and certain non negotiables. Um, which I agree with you that you should have three or four. The person must have these things, right? Like for me, they must be Jewish. That will never change. And then you should have three or four non-negotiables, which are, I will not date someone who is, it could be smoker, has a temper, um, you know, whatever.
0: Selfish.
2: Yeah. you, You know, so those, it's important to have some must-haves, and it's important to have some, some non-negotiables. It's important that those lists not be laundry lists. They mm-hmm. should be short and compact. And then it's important to have something in the middle called a willing. So I give my clients this exercise called a want, willing, won't. And mm-hmm. you should sit down and do this. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. You sit down and you write out, what are all the things that I want? unbridled just write them all everything whatever then what are all of the things that i am willing to put up with they're not ideal but i'll tolerate them for example you may not want somebody who is bald but you'll deal with it right, right. i may not want a girl who uh i don't know uh, is lit, is long distance but i'll deal with it for example right uh, and then you have your won't category which is all the things you will not deal with. Forget about it. There's no way. And then what you want to do is you want to make the want and won't categories as short as possible so that you're giving yourself the best best chance. Yeah. I think that's a great exercise. The emphasis that we place on chemistry versus the emphasis that we place on shared values, good communication shared vision of the future is totally disproportionate. So, you know, it's very important to have a strong connection with your partner, but the, the, the connection that you feel to them has to be preceded by making sure that you guys are aligned in terms of your values and the way you talk to each other and everything. Cause otherwise you get in a situation where you, you feel this insane chemistry and you just, want to kiss them and hug them and talk to them all the time. But then you look back at your want, willing, won't, which you wrote when that person wasn't in the picture. And you're like, damn, this person is none of these things. But now I feel so emotionally attached to them. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'm going to flip it now because this is the problem I run into the most. They fit the willing, won't, whatever, but there mm. is no chemistry connection or connection. Then yes, what
2: that's do? tough too. Yeah. So here's what I always say just because you have a passionate connection with someone does not mean you are meant to be with them. And just because somebody is perfect on paper does not mean you are meant to be with them. Mm -hmm. Right? So perfection is an illusion. They're not going to be perfect on paper and you may not have a perfect passionate connection with them. But as long as you have some elements of both, you have some connection, and they share some of the things that you want on paper, then that's, you know, that that's uh, kind of the gold standard. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a basis.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so many interesting. Kevin's but yeah, yeah, you're great. Um, I would talk all day, but I want to play our game that we play. So we have- otherwise, we a- we'll keep him on the phone I know. forever. Um, oh, Sure. So Thank we're going to play this game that we play with all of our guests called Grandma Gail's Old Fashioned Dating Quiz. I think I know where you're going to land, but we <laughs> oh, go love it. Okay. some hypotheticals um, and then we will deem whether you're more traditional or more of a modern dater.
2: Oh, okay. Great. Okay.
0: So the first one is, do you prefer a call or a text from the person you're dating if it's just to say hi? Call. Would you sleep with someone on the first date? No, um, dating apps or setups, setups, move in together before you're, you get engaged or wait until you're like engaged or married to move in.
2: (sighs) Uh, can't say a hard and fast rule, but ideally if you know, all things being equal, wait until engagement.
0: Oh, God, Kevin, he's exactly in my camp. Okay, last one. (laughs) Who should pay for the date? Should it be one person who always takes care of it or, like, split, alternate?
2: So, look, I obviously am more traditional. My view on this one is uh, that I prefer for the guy to pay for dates. Uh, If there comes a point in the relationship where the girl also wants to treat him, that is fine. Um, but I prefer that one person picks up the tab. I'm not really a fan of going Dutch. Mm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like five out of five. <laughs> is it, is someone, someone just yeah. on Did that too. a girl? Yeah.
1: But it was very interesting. We had a, a young woman on recently who, you know, was gay and we asked her the same question and about picking, you know, who picks up the check. And she said, since they're two women, it really doesn't matter, which is very interesting. I would never, I didn't. Right. It that way um but but she said whoever initiates the date that's how she said it should pay
0: yeah or like just right. in a relationship like they ended up taking their own role and like one person usually right. does but right. yeah it's a little like murkier since it's not like these are all societal like right things, yeah. so when
2: so i mean yeah. here's here's a difficult thing like i everything that you ask me about my personal value set it's all very heteronormative yeah exactly because you know, I'm a white, well, I'm not white, but you know, I'm a straight man who's traditional and chivalrous. And, you know, I try to help women. What's that? It's
1: the kind of guy I like.
2: Oh, thank you, Gail. You know, but I just want to be clear, like, I have gay clients, I have trans clients, Mm -hmm. you know, I have clients, I have men who are in open relationships, and they're polyamorous, right? So I never impose my personal value set on what, on the people that I'm working with, on my friends. You know, if you ask me what are my personal opinions, uh, I will tell you, which is everything that I've shared in this podcast. And a lot of it I apply to my coaching because I see what works in the long run and what doesn't, right? But also my job as a coach is to be adaptable and not tell my client what I think they should do. My job as a coach is to help my client identify what they feel in their own heart is right, and then encourage them to do that. And what I have found over and over again, Kim and Gail, but I'm I'm mostly talking to you, Kim, as my peer. What I have found over and over again is that people in our generation, truly what we want in our heart is actually more aligned with traditional standards than it is with modern standards. The reason that so many people in our generation abide by modern standards of life, career, money, dating, marriage, is that these are the messages that we've received, and this is what we have been conditioned to believe works as par for the course of being in this generation. But when it comes down to our emotional needs and what fulfills us and what we actually dream of, it is usually more aligned with traditional uh practices because those traditional practices have for the most part worked for hundreds of years and they've been installed in our DNA.
0: I just wonder then that like I'm thinking back to when you said before of like n- our generation now feels like our lives have to be like set and ready and like at the like perfect time in career, like family, whatever it else it is, to then find your person and be in that place. Um if If we don't say that and you're like, you can meet someone whenever, then what does that say about like the timing being right and like one person's timing being off and one person's timing working?
2: Mm. So first of all, the right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. Right unfortunately really
1: not though no it is but, because it's yeah. not it's not it, because the it's not the stars are not aligned you're not exactly one of the, one of the people is not ready so they right. both people have to be on board to form right. a relationship no matter what age you are you could be 20 and if both people love each other it'll work if you're 30 and 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 you can't find two people who think along the same lines then it's not working it has very right. I think it has little to do with age it's more really finding the right person who will click
2: with you and your value system. First of all, Kim, let's say you and I meet you're 26, I'm 30 and God has decreed that you and I are soulmates. Okay. And you're the person that I am supposed to end up with. We are perfect for each other. Okay. But I am in a place in my life where I am really struggling emotionally. I don't have a job. I don't know what my next moves are in life. Maybe in the metaphysical sense I am still the right person, but if it's the wrong time, Mm -hmm. the end result is that I'm the wrong person for you. Right. Right. And you can't, and you can't wait around for me to get my my stuff together. Right. So that's what I mean when I say the right person at the wrong time should be treated as the wrong person. Right. Um, Unless you have history together and you're going through something and you're trying to like help each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the thing that, that you said you know, about when, when you said going back to what we were talking about earlier, you do not have to be 100% in order to find love. You are not supposed to be 100% in order to find love. This era places such an emphasis on having your career set up, having your life set up being emotionally Mm self-reliant, being perfect on your own, and then you find somebody else as an addendum to your life. And I'm here to tell you that from an emotional and psychological perspective, that is not how it works. Now, Gail, you said earlier, you can't rely on someone else to fix all of your inadequacies. Totally, right? You, If you're only 20% on your own and you've got a laundry list of issues and demons <laughs> don't get into a out relationship, first. right? Exactly.
1: You gotta so, it
2: out first. so here's, so here's what it comes down to. Would you step onto a plane that you knew had a gas leak or a broken wing? No. Right. So you shouldn't date somebody whose life is totally a mess. Yes. So Would that- you invite a passenger onto your plane that you knew had a gas leak or a broken <laughs> wing? No because you'd be endangering their life. So you should not invite someone into your life if that's where you are. Mm -hmm. But your plane doesn't have to be a 747 decked out in gold. Mm -hmm. It just has to be safe enough to fly. Mm -hmm. And as long as your plane is safe enough to fly, then you've got one pilot and one co-pilot and the two of you can fly around the world together and improve the plane and make a beautiful life, right? What we don't need is two... Gorgeous state of the art F-17 fighter pilot jets rolling up to the tarmac, ready to fly next to each other.
1: Very good analogy. Terrific. I love, Terrific. That. I it's love so this. True. It's so I love true.
0: it. Yeah. I feel like let's end on that note because we yeah. all agreed. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> good. I loved it. Kevin. Good.
2: I'm glad thank you so
0: much um, for thank joining you. us. Tell everyone how they can follow you um, and sign up to work with you if they want.
2: Sure. Thank you. So my Instagram is my name, Kevin Nahai, N-A-H-A-I. And my website is kevinnahai.com. And uh, please feel free to reach out if you want, you know, a free chat just to get to know each other, even if you're not interested in coaching, but you know, you just liked some of the things that I said. I'm a, I'm a friend to all listeners of Excuse My Grandma.
0: Hope you guys liked the episode with Kevin Nahai. He's uh, so
1: nice. He really is a nice guy. So it would be worth listening to, uh, for those people f- to follow him because he's really got some really good ideas.
0: Yes. And you know how to follow us on TikTok and Instagram. We're at Excuse My Grandma, And we will see you next week. Bye.